0: Hi, I'm Yvonne. I'm a compulsive overeater. Yvonne. Uh, I, I am nervous. I'm um, sitting in the chair wanting to cry. Um, so I think I just might. <laughs> My worst fear is getting up here and not having anything to say and standing here for 40 minutes or getting up here and crying for 40 minutes. So um, I might have both. Um, sorry. And thank you, chip takers, for reminding me of gratitude and for taking extra time. That Please be birthday. Please. Um, so I'm just going to stick to what I know to do. What was it like? What happened? And what is it like now? What it was like, um, and I have a picture, because I came in at 211 pounds. Um... June 21st, 2008. So, six years ago. And I came in to lose weight. And I was just going to come once a week. And then I was going to leave when I lost the weight. And the only picture I have is what somebody else gave me after I lost the weight. Because during my disease, I would rip the pictures up. Because I certainly thought it was the camera putting on an extra 60, right? (laughs) Um... And I normally don't share my weight now because what I do, last night somebody shared her weight and in my head I'm like, either I'm less than her or more than her, and it's not about that. But I will share just for the podcast. I'm 5'7", and now I weigh 144.5 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) And as a compulsive overeater, I shared with somebody today that I used to weigh 211, and he laughed and he said, not 210. Like, we all know that half pound counts. You know? Um, So, when I came in, I was just sick and tired of being overweight. For me, you know, these are my numbers. For some people, I've seen a woman up here already who was 200 pounds, and that was recovery for her, and she looked beautiful. For me, it was not pretty. it hurt my body. I came in here because I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I couldn't... I had a job where I had to be on my feet a lot, and I would have to sit down in intervals because I couldn't be on my feet for more than half an hour, or my back or my leg would hurt. Um, and I just got sick and tired of that. Before, And I'll back up to childhood because... Like Amy said, we have time. I was born in um, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and I share that because there's a different food and a different weight mentality that goes on in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. When I go home at 140 pounds, my mom thinks I'm anorexic. Um, My mom was raised in the Amish community. There are certain foods that go with that. So anybody, I, I heard one lady say one time, this was outside a program. She was Mexican. She said she could never give up corn tortillas because that was part of her, part of her culture. Oh, and I forgot to share. I'm going to probably bounce around. I forget a lot. But my abstinence is no sugar, no flour. Um, and in the culture I grew up, flour was everything. I mean, when I met the person who inspired me, who did no sugar, no flour, I thought I thought I would die. I thought you needed it. I thought it was like a food group. Um, you know, protein, flour, you know, whatever. Um, and I'm just going to ask God to come in right now because I feel like I'm floundering. Somebody gave me a card to s- today and it said, God is love and love never fails. So, my intention is to get out of my ego and into my heart and hopefully somebody will hear something of value um, my other intention is just to make it through
1: um, you know I've
0: learned so much from people in these meetings like one of my friends her saying is um, I'm sorry you just show up you just show up If you don't know what to do, you just show up. Uh, I don't know why I'm so emotional. You know why it is? It's like I feel like I don't know how to tell you what I've got. I don't know. I don't know how to tell you to surrender. In this program, this is not like the easiest, softest program. It's like, for me, I had to surrender for this program to work. I had to hit bottom. And you know, my mind, my ego keeps wanting to go back to what it was like and for some reason I'm going to like what got me here. So what got me here was I got sick and tired of of hurting. I got sick and tired of shopping at Lane Bryant. I got sick and tired of of it all. Um and I said a prayer I remember being in Ikea with a friend and I had to sit down after 20 minutes and rest because my body hurt and I was about to turn 43 years old like in a couple of weeks I was turning 43 and I thought to myself what am I going to be like when I'm 70 and I remember saying a prayer in Ikea like God I can't do this I need help I got to a point where I needed help. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I needed help. And I think what helped me, thank God, is I already had a belief in God. And if you're new and the God thing scares you, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it love. You can call it higher power. Whatever it is for you, I call it God. Um, And when I don't feel God close, I use love. Like, love, what do you want me to do today? Um, So it was in Ikea, I said that prayer, and then my friend and I went to In-N-Out, and I got a double cheeseburger, french fries, (laughs) and a Coke, um, because that's what I knew. Um, And before I came in here, I didn't think I had a food problem. I really didn't. Um, I think what intimidates me to share sometimes is I'm not a binger, I'm not a bulimic, I'm not... I don't have any, like, drama story. I, I didn't pick food out of the trash because I never threw food away. <laughs> I mean, I just didn't. That, in the Amish culture, that was a no-no. You do not throw food away. There are people starving in Africa. And you'd better eat more to save them. I mean, I don't know where that comes from, but that was my mentality. And what I did was I grazed. I just, I would spread things out so I didn't know. My disease is, like, cunning. It is really, like, my disease hides in the vagueness. It hides in the little bit. It hides in the slices here and there. I, that's why sometimes I have a hard time sponsoring people because I know people do, like, the red light, green light, red light, yellow light, green light foods. If I had done that coming in, everything was green light. <laughs> I I didn't, ha- I could have a piece of cake every day. You know, I wasn't eating the whole thing. I looked normal because everywhere I went, I was eating what other people were eating, so it looked normal. I didn't... I know a lot of people say they hide, and nope, I would go out. But what I did was I surrounded myself with other obese people. (laughs) I really did. I remember going to Clean Jumpers, and there were four of us. And I was at 211, the thinnest. (laughs) And... I thought I was eating well because my friend had fettuccine. She had cheesy soup, and then she had lemon pie. And you know, I of course had a salad and something else and lemon pie. But and I remember walking out behind them and thinking, God, they are big. And it was when Sex and the City was in. And I thought, we are the fat version of Sex and the City. And I was embarrassed, but, oh, geez. But that wasn't my bottom. You know what? It was like, I, I don't know how to tell anybody to get to their bottom. Just pray that your bottom is soon, because... I think one of my bottoms was, and a lot of you have heard this before, but my mom, God bless her, she's so honest. I always prided myself on being thinner than my sister. And one time when I was home, she was behind me and my sister, and she said, oh my, your asses are now the same size. And my sister was like in a size 18-20, and I was like, I just, I don't know, I don't know why that was, like, more humiliating than anything else. But it made me look at what I was doing. And then, so my, when I said that prayer about, I need help, God, I was led to a woman at work. Um, Somebody told me that her name is Nicole, and that she was a hundred pounder. And when I knew Nicole, I knew her for a year, and she was 135 pounds. She was 5'7". She was in her 50s. She had, like, all of my excuses were gone. We were the same height. She was older than me. She had gone through menopause, you know. Like, I couldn't use any of the excuses. She even had children, and I don't. So, it's like, all right, let's talk to Nicole. She lost 100 pounds, and at that time, she had kept it off for seven years. Um... And when I went to her and asked her what she did, she said she doesn't do sugar or flour. And that is like... I can't even explain how I felt. I felt so disheartened. Because I couldn't do that. I felt like she was like one of those hippie granola type people. Like, I, I just couldn't do that. But she had a piece about her. She had a way about her. I just kept going back and asking questions. And... She related it to alcohol, like alcohol is to an alcoholic. And something, a light bulb went on inside of me. I still didn't know that at the time. This is, of course, it's always easier looking back to know when your bottom was. Um, She related sugar and flour and processed food, like alcohol, to an alcoholic. And my brother had always, you know, my brother's into nutrition, and he'd always said to get off the processed food, but he would say do it 80%. Well, 80%, for now what I know, for somebody who's addicted to it, is impossible. Like, I had to get it out of my body. But at that point, I still didn't think I could do it. And then she started talking about the 12 steps, and she started talking about one day at a time. Um, And, of course, none of this she pushed on me. I just kept going back. And then she showed me a picture of her when she was 237 pounds, and I saw her. Like, I could see the difference, and I wanted that. And she was even getting married. She was 55 and getting married and wasn't going to have cake at her... She was going to have cake at her wedding, but she wasn't going to have it. And she was peaceful about it. Like, she said, I don't crave it anymore. I don't want it. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to lose the weight, but I didn't want to lose the weight and gain it back because losing the weight and gaining it back is hell. It is pure hell. When I was gaining weight And I got up to 174, I went to a therapist, because Oprah was big at then, and Oprah was talking about emotional eating. So I thought, all right, I'll fix it with therapy. It's something emotional. Maybe I was traumatized as a kid. I was looking for that one thing that if I healed it and dealt with it, my food problem would be gone. And something came up in therapy, you know, there was a death in the family, and I dealt with it, and I lost five pounds. I thought, great, so I stopped therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So I got down to 170, and I thought that was it. Well, that wasn't it, and that's when I, I started to just keep gaining and got up to 211. And this is all over the span of about six or seven years. Before that, in my childhood, I'd always yo-yo dieted, but I could always, for some reason, get it under control. Um, You know, in high school, I played field hockey. And during field hockey season, I could eat anything I wanted, and I would be thin, and that was heaven to me. I, now, I am grateful that I have a weight problem, because I would not know I had a food problem if I didn't have a weight problem. I really wouldn't. I hear people in programs say, you know, this week I've been in the food or the f- whatever. It's like that, if it doesn't show up on the scale, I don't know I'm in the food. I really don't. And in, um, in program, so three years into program, I, I stopped weighing myself. Probably two years. Because what happened is I lost the weight in the first year and I was on cloud nine. The second year, I was buying all the new clothing, and that was great. And something happened, like, the third year. I, I have to warn you, it, it, when you kind of plateau, the, there's no, like, excitement anymore. It's like, oh, I'm the same weight as last year. Great, you know? <laughs> um, so it kind of plateaued. And I stopped weighing myself because it drove me crazy that the scale wasn't moving or it would go up a pound, down a pound, up a pound, down a pound. So I stopped because other people in program, here's my, I'm sorry, here's my hardest part about program. It's not that I have to eat three times a day. It's that everybody in program has a different abstinence and a different program and it works for some people. So I look at bulimics who are thin and beautiful and I think, I'll do that. I mean, really, when I came in, if I would have had to pick my abstinence, there would be no purging. <laughs> I, don't, I don't purge. I don't. But that would have been great. So I have to watch. have to watch my disease because people in here say don't weigh. And it works for them. For me, it didn't. Because what happened when I didn't weigh is... I had a little piece of cheese. I had a little piece of bacon. I had a little, you know, something. And it just, like, ten pounds snuffed back on. I don't know when. I don't know in what period of time. I just one day got back on the scale thinking it's going to be about five pounds. And I was mortified that it was ten in abstinence, in recovery. Four years, you know, speaking in front of people. And I thought, wow. Wow my disease will hide. So what I did was got back to what I knew. I prayed. I went to meetings. I shared about it. The best thing I can do for my disease is out it. It's to say I shared. I gained 10 pounds. I'm adding adding snacks back in. um, And this is what I'm going to do differently. And all I did differently was get back to what worked in the beginning. I have a food plan now that keeps me abstinent. I don't diet. All of that cheese, bacon, all of that is fine for me. I just, I have a food plan that puts boundaries around it. And I heard somebody say recently, um, food plans abstinence is like putting a kid in a playpen. You can have fun in a playpen. You just need some boundaries. Like, you don't want to leave your two-year-old child run rampant all over the house, or it's going to be chaos. And that's what happened to me before program One thing that helped me get abstinent was, um, and this I learned from my dad. My dad, when my dad said no, his no meant no. And that is the best gift he could give me. And my career is working with kids, and I've seen a lot of spoiled children over the years. Um, Parents coming in saying, I can't get my five-year-old to school. She doesn't want to get up. Um, I tell her no but she does it anyway because their no doesn't mean no and the beauty that I had was my mom's no didn't mean no but my dad's did so my mom what we did with my mom is when she said no we would beg and plead and try to get away with it and 50% of the time it would work but what that did was it set her up for us to act like spoiled brats Because her no didn't mean no. I didn't know this as a child. I mean, this is, of course, after years of reflecting back. But when my dad was around, and she would always say that. She would say, well, you don't do that around your dad. But when my dad was around and he said no, he meant no. So we didn't beg. We didn't plead. We didn't didn't act, act like spoiled children around my dad. And it was peaceful. So when I got abstinent, I learned from that, and I said to myself, it's like I have a spoiled child inside. I could not be one of those people who come in here, and this does work for people, to have everything in moderation. That's what I was doing before. Everything in moderation for me got me up to 211 pounds. And I easily have a 300-pounder inside of me. That's what got me in here. I could see myself going up to 300 pounds. So... When I came in, I just treated myself like a spoiled child because the person who inspired me said... I asked her, how long does it take for the cravings to go away? And she said, about 90 days. So I thought, okay, I can do this for 90 days. Um, And it wasn't like a light bulb or some miracle happened in 90 days. But eventually, like, saying no enough to the sugar and flour... That spoiled child who wanted it when they wanted it kind of started to quiet. The first week it was like a monster. The first week, honestly, I cried every day. And I remember a turning point. The first week I was at I was pumping gas, and there was an intersection, and across the intersection was a McDonald's. And I had such physical cravings. Um, I had a hard day at work. I wanted McDonald's. And something, it wasn't me, something got me inside my car and went home and didn't go there. And I think if I had said yes to my disease at that moment, I wouldn't be here today. Um, for me, it's God. I'm so grateful for this program. If I wouldn't have found OA, I really could see myself 300 pounds. And it's not even just about the weight. I'm going to talk about a little bit how my how a program works in my life now. And wow, it goes quick. <laughs> Three years ago, well, I'm going to back up. In my 30s, I went through a breakup. I'm with like the same man now. We celebrated 20 years together. Not married. I think that's the secret. <laughs> um, no offense to people who are married. Um, but in my 30s, we went through a breakup. So that 20 years, there was a period where we were apart. And I loved him. And we went through a breakup. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do now? Like, it wasn't the man who made me happy. And I was doing, I was doing bookkeeping as a profession, which... I was good with numbers, but it bored me. And I started to make a list of things that made me happy because I thought if I can't be with him, I need to find something that makes me happy. So I made this whole list of things, and my niece at that time was like four, and I loved being around my niece. Um, I have done a lot of personal growth workshops over the years. I love it. I think that's why I love OA so much. It is the cheapest personal growth workshop. And you don't have to be in a room for a whole weekend. You can just come in for an hour. But anyway, I made this list, and I went back to school to become a school counselor in my mid-30s. And I got a, a job at that, and then I got another job. Um, it was like my dream job, you know, working with kids. I remember one day I was having lunch with four, like, third graders, and I remember thinking, this was on my list, first of all, having lunch, with kids and talking about feelings, like it like I was getting paid to have lunch with kids um and three years ago, I lost that job and and I was devastated and in the same month, I lost the job August third, August fourth, I was living in an apartment for seventeen years. Um, with a dog who is our child. the dog, We had the dog at that time for nine years, and my fiancé. And people moved in above us, and they ripped up the carpet upstairs. There was no insulation, and they were party people. And the apartment was rent control. So people on this podcast won't get this, but if you live in Brentwood of Santa Monica, we were paying $565 a month for San Vicente and 7th Street. I mean, it's not something you let go of easily. And just to put that in perspective for the podcast people, the apartment they rented above us went for 2000 But to not be able to sleep and to ruin my peace was not worth any amount of money. And we took a buyout and we moved. And I took the buyout without having another place. I took the buyout because he... he would only give us the money if I gave him a date. And I didn't have another apartment. And our dog was freaking out. We couldn't leave our dog at home alone because it would freak out. It would destroy things. I was getting calls from the pound. And I would have to drive home because he was chewing the blinds. And we had to move. And I remember... I remember saying, don't be careful what you say. Because I remember saying, God, when it rains, it pours. And the next day, I got a phone call. We own a house in Pennsylvania, and it had rained and poured and flooded the basement. In our house in Pennsylvania, we had to buy another furnace that cost $3,000. And all of this was happening in one month. And what got me through it was OA and God. I I came to meetings... Every day, twice a day. Thank you. Um, wow, ten minutes. Um, what got me through it was OA. What got me through it was my sponsor. What got me through it were the tools. I, I also got outside help. In the big book, it says get outside help. I love outside help. I will do anything now to save my abstinence. Um, So, that was three years ago. So, my job was school counselor, and the only opportunity that the district was offering me was substitute teaching. And I swore I wouldn't substitute teach. I was not in a classroom. I was not a teacher. I didn't know how to do it. It scared me. And I remember being in church one day, and the minister talked about facing your fears. What's the one thing you would like to try, but you're afraid to try? Rick. (laughs) so I signed up for the substitute teaching Um, and I struggled with it I hated getting the phone calls the night before it was just this whole process but eventually over time it got better and better and better to the point where I actually enjoyed it to the point where now I am grateful I never thought I would say this I thought if I said this it would not be true I'm grateful for three years of substitute teaching. I got to leave my job at 2.30 instead of 5.30. I ended up, it didn't start out this way, I ended up getting the same pay to work less hours. It ended up I could work at my school where I knew the kids, the kids knew me, the teachers knew me, and one day at a time over the past three years, I've had enough work, actually more than enough work, to keep me going. And a week ago, I got a call. I got a call that I get to be a counselor again next year. I don't know where. But what I've learned over the past three years is if I just keep showing up and I keep asking God for direction, I will be guided and it will be good. It might not look good at first. Like, here's a possibility. It's possible that I'm going to get middle school on Catalina Island. <laughs> Seriously, I work in the district where Catalina Island is frickin' part of the district. And I will say that will be hell. But if that's what God wants me to do, and I get seasick. I don't know, I don't know how that's going to work. But I do know, based on my experience, here's the beauty of not being 20 anymore. Based on my experience, God has always gotten me through with flying colors. My mom, and this might be crude, has said, you could fall in a bucket of shit and come out smelling like roses. And when I'm in the shit, I don't believe it. So this story that I'm telling you now is its so much easier to tell you after. I love telling the story after. But when I'm in it, I don't do it perfectly. I cry, I flounder, I, you know, but the beauty of it is we don't have to do it perfectly. We pick up the phone. You know, there's many people in here who have answered my calls crying, um, who remind me of God, who remind me of the tools. I can't imagine now life without program. I just really can't imagine it without program. The relationship I'm in now, 20 years, and I usually don't talk about this much, um, is better now than ever. I mean, we are like different people than 20 years ago. And even six years ago... Um, here's, like, this might sound trivial. I used to get mad on my birthday if he couldn't take off work and spend it with me. My birthday was this past, past week, and... It didn't matter to me if he took off work or not. I didn't care what day we celebrated. But the beauty of that is, he was able to take off work. It's like, when I can let things go, like, it just seems to work out so much better. And the analogy I use is, if you've ever gone whitewater rafting, like, you know when you fall out of the boat, you have a life vest on, and you're supposed to just lift up your feet and, like, ride out the the current? And you might bump into rocks. But if you start grabbing and stuff, you're going to hurt yourself. But you tuck yourself in, you lift your feet up, and you just ride it out. And it eventually comes to still waters. And to me, that is the best analogy for God. I just, like, ride it out. Um, And I will be led to still waters. Um, And I'm I'm going to open it up to questions because that's what God's telling me to do. So thank you for letting me share. (laughs) Any questions? What do I do when I'm having a rough day? That's a good question. I've had a lot of those. Um, I do what I know. I do my days. I always start my day with prayer. I always start my day with gratitude. Um, I don't meditate in the morning, but I do meditate when I come home most days. I pray. I try to make outreach calls. I don't do that perfectly. You know my program. <laughs> um, the beauty is that my food never changes. My, I have a food plan. I have, I have a protein, a carb, and a vegetable, and a fat. That just doesn't change. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. It doesn't matter if I have a crappy day. I've had people say, oh, I had a crappy day. You know, I got into food. For me, it's not an option. Because if I go there, I won't come out. So for me, like when it's not an option, it's not a problem. So somebody said a few weeks ago, people that have strong recovery, she noticed, are people that are willing to sit with uncomfortable feelings and people who have a connection with God. So when I'm having a rough day, I try my best, and I don't do it perfectly, to feel what I'm feeling and make a connection with God. And if I don't know how to make that connection with God, I go to gratitude. Like, that seems to save me. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes I don't feel God. And then I just start to go to gratitude or focus on things that I love. Can I talk about my daily spiritual practice? Yes. Um, I set the alarm way before I get up just because I don't like to get out of bed right away the hardest thing for me to get out of bed but the cool thing about that is I get to lay there and I get to pray and I get to do my gratitudes and honestly sometimes I fall back asleep
1: and then I remember
0: to pray and do my gratitudes again Um, I get up I text my sponsor my plan for the day I text her what my work is what tools I'm going to use um, so somebody knows what I'm doing that day I you know thank God I've been going to work um, when I come home, I try to meditate. I, honestly, I do it for five minutes. Tonight, I tried 11 because somebody said they liked the number 11. And I had a really hard time with 11. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a spiritual guru. But for five for me, I can do it. Um, I think what I forget is I pray all day long. It's almost like it's become second nature. Um... I get on the freeway. I pray for protection. Um, yeah, I think that's my my daily... A lot of prayer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much.